Pastor Todd Warner, Werner, he comes from Aubrey, Wodonga, um, uh, uh, in between town, between the border of Victoria and New South Wales. Is that, is that right? Correct, yeah. Great. Well, um, how, how did you find camp, young man? Oh, man. I, uh, no, I had a really great time. This was my first camp uh, in a while, and uh, it was so good just to be amongst kids and be amongst um, the leaders, and man, I... I I was amazed by how much God moved and the impact that had on the kids. And do you know what my favorite part of it camp was? Seeing the passion of the young people in worship. And yeah. um, it was just powerful. So good. Yeah. And we're so blessed to have him. Like, I, I love Pastor Todd because he, he is so involved in camps. Like he was always playing games with these kids. He was talking to them. And like at night when all the kids were sleeping, we'll play ultimate frisbee together, and <laughs> it was pretty cracked. We eventually went to bed. Yes, we eventually went to bed. Um, and and Pastor Todd, he's been such a blessing to us. Um, so we're going to give you time to 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 preach. Yeah. So um, maybe I'll just pray for you before we begin. Um, dear God, thank you for Pastor Todd. God, we thank you for just his servant heart to serve you, God, and just to honour you through his service as a kids pastor, God, and even just accepting the call to to preach at this kids camp, God. God, we pray that um, everything that he's said and done at this camp, God, will just um, be sealed in your name, God. And God, we just pray that even today, God, may the word that he shares come through you, God, and give. Um, be given life through your spirit, God. God, we pray that the words that he says will not fall short, God, because of you are with him, God. God, we thank you for Pastor Todd. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's get into the word, shall we? I just wanted to start off by... Uh, saying and honouring uh, thanks to Pastor Chris for inviting me to come and speak. And um, I, don't, I don't take it lightly. I think it's a privilege to be able to come and speak and uh, even come to speak at the kids' camp. Like, it's such an honour. And uh, thanks so much for giving me the opportunity to speak. Um, I also wanted to honour Pastor Harold. And, um, man... Kids camp was so good, like everything was so organized, everything was, all the tiny details were sorted, everything, I reckon it's the most organized kids camp that I've ever been a part of, and um, so I just wanted to um, honor Pastor Harold and just say, well done, like that, the camp was amazing, everything was organized, in fact, if you were serving on kids camp, if you're a leader or something, why don't you stand to your feet, and I just want to, let's give these people a round of applause, because... Um, These guys led with passion and they grabbed your kids and took them and, and um, just got around them and loved them. And so uh, for me, I just want to say thank you. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for all the work that you put in. Thank you for the sleepless hours. Thanks for like running around chasing kids and fixing broken windows and doing all this sort of stuff. So hey, uh, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much. Hey, let's give them one more clap. The other thing I wanted to say about kids camp is, man, your kids are the most well-behaved kids I've ever experienced. Like, back in Wodonga, man, I, phew, my hands are full. I was like, man, these kids are so good. They're so well-behaved. They're like, there's like hardly any issues at all. So kudos to you guys because your kids are amazing. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for um, everything that you do. 
So before I start, I just wanted to let you know a bit about me. So my name is Pastor Todd, and I'm from Albuquerque, and uh, I'm the kids pastor at New Life Chapel uh, in Wodonga, and I've been the kids pastor for five years now, uh, full time, f- five years at Wodonga, and before that. <clears throat> I was serving in youth ministry for 12 years. I was the assistant youth pastor for about eight years, and then I was also the youth pastor and the kids pastor for the last six years. And then this year, um, my role changed a little bit, and uh, I've been able to focus mainly on doing kids ministry, and I also do a bit of uh, outreach. Uh, so we take like a food truck into primary schools and do breakfast programs and um, we feed over 600 kids every single week, and um, yeah, it's just amazing, and it's just a great honor to serve God. And um, I, uh, I'm married. I've been married for 10 years, and uh, to the beautiful Danielle. And um, I have two dogs, and uh, no kids yet, but uh, I've got two dogs, and they they keep my hands full, and uh, they they're amazing. And for those uh, who want to know a little bit more detail about me. Everyone on camp knows that how much I love pizza shapes, but pizza shapes are the best, and uh, they're amazing. Come on, who loves pizza shapes? <laughs> they're the best. Anyway, uh, if you want to know more about it, you can ask your kids about pizza shapes a little bit later on. But let's get into the Word, shall we? So I brought my Bible along with me, and um, we're going to jump into it and get into it, all right? Um, this happened on kids camp. When I opened my Bible, it was blank. Um, so I actually need your help. I need your help to uh, do this. And so what's going to happen is I need you guys to think of your favorite Bible story. Now, I want you to, and I need parents to do this as well. I need adults to do this as well. This isn't just for the kids. I need to draw your favorite Bible story in the air, and then I want you to grab it, and I want you to throw it towards me, all right? So get your finger out. Draw your favorite Bible story. Come on, I need everybody. I need every single Bible story or else I'll only be preaching from part of the Bible. So I need everyone to do it. Grab it and then throw it towards the book. Go. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Excellent. Excellent. All right, let's see if this worked. Amazing. Give yourself a clap, everybody. Oh, someone draw Joseph in his Technicolor dream coat. That's amazing. Um, all right. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but I prefer a bit of color in the Bible when I'm reading the Bible. And so I feel like we just need a little bit of color. So what I want you to do is I want you to grab, if you're wearing something with color, why don't you rub it off your clothing, rub it off your shirt, rub it off your pants, and grab it, and I need you to throw it towards the book. Ready? Go. Throw it in. Whew. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Harold. Got that. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone got it in? Are we missing any colors? All right, let's see if that worked. Awesome. We can now get into the Bible. All right. So if you've got your Bible, why don't you open up to Proverbs chapter 22? <laughs> if you're like, what is going on? Well, 
at Kids Camp, we talked a bit about the Bible and how powerful the Bible is. You see, when we open up the Word of God, one word from God can change your entire life. And so every time we open up the Bible, we want to get excited. We want to get expected because we know that the Word of God can just change your life in just a moment like that. So every time we open up the Word of God, we get excited and we get passionate. So let's, maybe we can try this with everybody. Let's open our Bibles to Proverbs 22. Very good. You guys are awesome. All right. Proverbs 22, verse 6. It says, Direct your children onto the path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Direct your children onto the path, onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave from it. Today, I want to talk a little bit about pastoring the next generation. And I've had many years, I've been working with young people for so long, and I've crossed generations uh, in the time that I have been working with young people. And, and, and as I was preparing for this, I, I was coming up with all these different names. I was thinking we could talk about sowing into the next generation. We could talk about leading the next generation. We could talk about pastoring the next generation. We could talk about just grabbing the next generation and make sure they do what they need to do. Because I tell you what, we are one generation from losing our faith, from losing who we are. Because back in the day, when my parents were in kids' church, 50% of kids attended Sunday school on a Sunday. 50%. And right now, it is only 4.2% of kids in Australia that attend kids' church or Sunday school on a Sunday. And I look at these stats and we're like, man, we need to make sure that we do our job as the church to lead and pastor the next generation. I know you're probably thinking here this morning, you're like, oh, great, we're talking about pastoring kids. I don't have kids, so this doesn't involve me. Wrong. This involves the entire church. Every single person in the church plays a role in pastoring the next generation. And so, you know, the last couple of years has been tough. Last couple of years have been tough on, uh, on the church and on families and on business. And, you know, a lot of things were really tough. But COVID actually revealed something that I'd never seen before. In all my years of ministry and all my years of leading, I realized that the church sometimes struggled to realize that it was their job to pastor kids at home. Church lost the, the idea that it was the whole church's responsibility to pastor kids, not just the kids' pastor or the youth pastor or just the parent, but it's actually the entire church's job to pastor the kids or pastor the next generation. You see, it revealed that the church believed that the kids' pastors and the youth pastor's job was the one that was responsible. And yes, I agree that the kids pastor and the kids leaders and the youth leaders and the youth pastor plays a role in pastoring kids, but that's not where it stops. In fact, I truly believe that it's responsibility of the entire church. And so I decided to investigate this a little further. Some of the stats that I want to share with you this morning are based on the global youth culture 
uh, survey. And uh, I'll, I'll send this to Pastor Harold if anyone wants a copy of this. Um, I was honoured to go to Gold Coast in February with a bunch of kids pastors from all over Australia. And there was 20 kids pastors from all over Australia that came together to go through this survey, to discuss this survey. And they, in this survey, they uh, interviewed 9,000 teenagers from all across Australia. And uh, they wanted to get an understanding of where young people were at, what it was an understanding. They uh, did some Christian kids, they did some non-Christian kids, they did Christ, uh, kids from all over different backgrounds, all different um, parts of Australia, all different lifestyles, all different life stages. But there was 9,000 and it was 50% kids, 50% girls. And um, some, of the, some of the things that came out of this study... This is a study by One Hope, by the way, if you want to look it up. You see, 89% of parents realize that they need to pastor their kids at home. 89% realize that, which is a good thing. That's a good thing. But then from that 89%, only 70, uh, 78% of parents and families have no idea where to start. They have no idea where to start. And I'll tell you what, only less than 10% of churches provide curriculum, provide study, provide tools for parents to be able to pastor their kids at home. In this study, they f- found out that 32% of the 9,000 kids identified as Christian. 32% identified as Christian. But from that 32%, only three of them were considered as uh, committed Christians. Only 3% of the 32. So 32%, yeah, I go to church, I believe I'm a Christian, but only three of them were considered committed Christians. And you see, the threshold to be able to be considered if they were a committed Christian is they had to do one of six things. They had to be able to pray once a week. They had to attend a religious service. They had to read the Bible once a week. They had to believe that God exists. They had to believe that Jesus exists. And they needed to be able to have a spiritual conversation at least once a year. That was the bar to be able to be considered a a committed Christian. And I look at it, I'm like, I mean, that's a good start. I get that. But it's not a huge bar to reach. And only 3% of people that consider themselves Christians were committed Christians. And you know, I, when we, um, in the news, we hear about, oh, Gen Z this, oh, Gen Z has the worst mental health, Gen Z uh, are questioning their faith, Gen Z are questioning their identity, Gen Z this and Gen Z that. But you know what I found interesting? With the 3% that were committed Christian, none of them questioned who they were. None of them questioned their faith. They had a much lower risk of mental health. None of them had gender identity issues. And it's because they were a committed Christian and they could do those six things. And I want to let you know today, as a church... It's our job to make sure that kids, that the next generation can do these six things. Let me tell you what those six things were. Pray once a week. Attend a religious service. Read the Bible once a week. Have a spiritual conversation. Believe that God exists and believe that Jesus exists. And so the question is, 
as a church, how do we pass to the next generation? How do we disciple young, the next generation so that they become committed Christians and follow the, with their faith and they can be committed and not have as many issues growing up? Well, there's two things that I want to talk about this morning. Two things. The first thing is you need to champion the next generation. You need to champion the next generation. In Psalm 71... This is uh, the old man's prayer in Psalm 71. And it's not, dear Lord, pray for my back. You, you're allowed to laugh. That was, I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> my brother Fraser's here this morning and he laughed at my joke. So thank you, Fraser. Psalm 71, verse 17 to 18 says, Oh God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood. And I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. Now that I'm old and grey, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim the power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. You see, the writer of this psalm is praying to God. The writer of this psalm is like, don't take me, don't take me from this earth until I have done what I need to do, and what I need to do is pass on your great love to the next generation. You see, God is looking for a church that is passionate about the next generation. God is looking for a church that will do, will, that is, that will do all that they can to be able to champion on the next generation. I love the fact that you guys were able to run a kids camp, because uh, it's something that in our church, we haven't been able to do for a while for obvious reasons. But I tell you what, setting up camps, and I was talking to some of the leaders, they're like, oh, you've, we've done a youth camp. And one of the leaders was like, yeah, I've been on four camps this year already. And I was like, what? That's amazing. I love the fact that you guys are able to go to these camps because it means that you're making space for God. It means that you're championing on the next generation. And I know you're like, oh, I'm here this morning and, you know, I don't have kids. I, I, don't, do, uh, I don't really care about kids. <laughs> well, that's okay. But I tell you what, it's still your job to champion the next generation. Let me, let me tell you a little bit about the next generation. I was listening to Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast on my drive here. And um, they were talking about the next generation and Gen Z. And they were saying that, Gen Z is probably the most frugal generation that there is. In fact, there are people in Gen Z that already have savings for when they retire because they care and, they, and it's like the life stage where they're at. They reckon they're going to be the most financially blessed generation because of what's gone before. And I think that's amazing. And you know what? Gen Z are not just content consumers but they are content creators. You see, we've got the most creative generation coming up. These days, young people have amazing apps. They've got amazing phones that can help them to be creative. And what are we doing as a church to empower that creativity? 
What are we doing as a church to release the next generation in the creativity and the, the things that, that the tools that they've got in their hands? You see, as a church, we need to be giving young people opportunity to be creative within the church. Because if they're not creative within the church, then they're gonna find it somewhere else outside in the world. What are we doing as a church to be able to release the next generation to release their creativity? 97% of the next generation stream online every day, whether that's YouTube, Netflix, Disney Plus, or whatever. And I think that's amazing. I think that's cool. When I was growing up, all I had to go outside was kick the footy with my brother Freight. That's all I was able to do. But this next generation are so connected. And I think about this and I'm like, what are we doing as a church to ensure that the next generation are watching something positive? What are we doing as a church? What content are we putting out for the church? What content are we putting out for the next generation to keep them in the church? Eighty-nine percent of the next generation are influenced by what they see on social media. What are we doing as a church to have an influence on social media? Are we hiring? Are we uh, tapping into creativity so that the next generation are connected and a part of what's going on? Because if we are, are, are looking after a next generation, if we're going to champion the next generation. We need to do all we can to keep them connected. If we're going to win the next generation for Jesus, then we need to step out of our social norms. We need to step out of the box so that the next generation will be able to pass on the good news of Jesus to the next generation. I remember, um, so I was a chaplain in a high school before I was um, a kid's pastor. And I was working at, at a local high school um, in Wangaratta. And I was there for six years as a chaplain. And then uh, after that, I was working as a chaplain at a primary school for three years. And I remember catching up with this young man. And he was, he was down in the dumps and he was, just felt like giving up. And I, I said to him, hey, what's going on? And he's like, oh, this is going on in my life, and that's going on in my life, and I'm concerned about my parents' financial future. I'm like, you're 10 years old. Why are you caring about all this sort of stuff? And he's like, because if I don't do it, then no one will. If I don't concern about this, my, my parents don't know how to look after money, but you know, I've just been on YouTube, and I've been learning about how to financially care for my family. I'm like, you're 10 years old. And he said, I know, but if I don't do it, who will? And I encouraged him. And I believed him. I supported him through it. And I tell you what, we need people like in the church who can get around young people and support them and help them through some tough things that we don't realize they're going through. And all I had to do was tell him that I believe in him. All I had to tell him was that he can do it. It was just those simple words. And I'll tell you what, just some simple words to the next generation will help them and champion them on. Growing up, uh, when I was young, we went to a church in Benalla, which is like two hours from Melbourne. And uh, there was an older man in our church that was a retired teacher. 
And his job, like on Sunday, was just to high five every single kid that came to church. And do you know what he would say? All he would say to us is, what's your middle name? And everyone would reply, champion. What's your middle name? Champion. And I'll tell you what, every time we'd hang out with this guy, Don, we would feel 10 feet tall. And I'll tell you what, there's people in this church that can do something simple as a high five or a fist bump or just let them know that they're a champion. Because when we champion on the next generation, we we never know what God's going to do. If we champion on the next generation, then the next generation will not lose their faith. How does the church pass to the next generation? Well, they champion the next generation. And the second thing is, the church helps parents win. The church helps parents win. In Psalm 78, verse 4 to 6, it says, We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders. For He issued His laws to Jacob. He gave them instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation might know them. Even the children not yet born, they will turn to, they will turn, they in turn will, that makes no sense. They and they will turn, they'll teach their own children. Anyway, they'll teach their own children. Sound good? <laughs> Part of this One Hope study, we learned that every kid's leader gets to spend about one hour a week with your kid. Just one hour. And If you put that into a year, every kids leader gets to spend approximately 40 hours per year when you take into account holidays, birthdays, sporting events. And that's amazing. That's amazing. Every kids leader, every youth leader gets to spend about 40 hours a year with the next generation. But the average parent gets to spend 3,000 hours waking in, with active moments with their kids. And we think that, oh man, the kids pastor, the youth pastor, the kids leaders will pastor my kids. But what we don't realise is that we actually spend so much time with our kids. Not only that, but from the moment the child is born to when they graduate year 12, we have about 908 weeks. 908 weeks before you're young person moves on and graduates. And there's two ways that I look at this. I look at it and go, well, 900 weeks, 908 weeks, that's not very long. That's very short. But I look at them and go, well, let's make sure we make every moment with our kids count. And I'm not saying that you have to like pass your kids and teach them Bible verses and do all this stuff for 3,000 hours of every single week, uh, every single year. But let's make sure that we moments that we do have with our kids, that it counts. 
And the other way that you can look at it is, man, there's so much time. 908 weeks. It's true, there is plenty of time, which means that we don't have to do everything at once. We don't have to like try and cram our kids with everything that they've got because I'll tell you what, we've got 908 weeks. A few years ago, I had a parent come up to me and they were in tears and like, oh, Pastor Todd, Pastor Todd, I'm so concerned about my, my kid. I'm so concerned about my kid. They haven't, you know, experienced God yet. They haven't experienced, um, they haven't given their heart to Jesus yet. And, and I looked at the parent and I was like, your kid is five years old. And they're like, no, but Pastor Todd, you said that when you were a kid, you gave your heart to Jesus when you were four. And I was like, it's okay. You don't have to give your heart to Jesus. You just got to know the age and stage where you're at. And uh, you want to put up the next slide. As parents... We need to know what age and stage our kids are at. We need to embrace their physical needs when they're young, from the ages of zero to four. We need to engage their interests from when they go to primary school. We need to affirm their personal journey when they get into high school. And then we want to mobilize their potential as they're getting older. Your child's physical needs are very similar to your child's spiritual needs. As parents, we want to be able to take them on a journey of embracing everything that God has got for them. And by the time they leave, when 908 weeks is up, that you've done your job as a parent, as a church, to be able to mobilize their faith and get them going. If you're a parent here, I want to let you know you don't have to be perfect. But going back to this study, we learned that kids, the next generation, the person that they want to talk to about their faith journey, the person that they want to talk to about issues going on in the world is their parent. 56% of the young people, the 9,000 kids that were interviewed, said, I would rather go to my parent for advice. And I know sometimes as teenagers, as kids, they don't really show it. They're like, they don't appreciate it. They might not physically say it. But in this study, it showed that 56%, that's a whopping massive chunk of young people that will go to their parents for advice. You have an important role to play. The next, second next one, I think, was um, they go to their friends, which was... Uh, 21% or something like that. And then the third one after that was social media, which was pretty similar, about 19%. My encouragement for parents here today why don't you pray with your kids more often? Why don't you make sure your kids come to church? Bring them along, even if they don't want to. Read the Bible with them. Encourage them to read their Bible and actually have a spiritual conversation with your kids. Because I tell you what, if you can have a spiritual conversation, if you can pray, drag them along to church, read the Bible, then they will establish their faith. 
growing up, I was blessed to have such amazing parents. And uh, Fraser can attest to this. But, you know, often when we were kids, um, our parents would make us do memory verses at home. And if we got it, we would get a Mars bar. And that's amazing. And so I wanted to learn every scripture that I could so I could get a Mars bar. We read the Bible every night before we went to bed. We prayed before every meal. We prayed together as a family. I remember one time, my, our parents, we just installed like a, a new fireplace, a wood fireplace, and it was going to be lovely, and it was going to be amazing. It was something that my parents really wanted for a long time. And um, I remember Dad was installing it, and there, he had some help from some plumbers and everything that was going on. And I had a friend over that day, and it was finally done, and it was amazing. And we could take a step back and be like, oh, wow, look at this beautiful fireplace. And I remember Dad got us all together as a family, and even my mate who I invited over, and he said, hey, we're going to pray for this fireplace so it doesn't burn the house down one day. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I was like, Dad, that's so embarrassing. Like, I've got a friend here. Can we just do this when he goes home? Can we, can we just not pray right now? Can we do it later? And he said, no, I want to teach you that you need to pray about everything, no matter what, who's around, no matter what the circumstance is. You see, sometimes it's okay to embarrass your kids. If you were teaching them faith, if we're teaching them culture, if we're teaching them how to uh, move on in the world. You see, the church wins when the parents win at home. The church wins when the parents win at home. I got a little analogy for you. Sometimes we can get upset at the next generation. We'd be like, does this next generation even care about God? Does this generation, sometimes there's a spark, sometimes it goes. But we're like, does this generation. Are they even on fire for God? And here's the other generation who's like, yeah, we're on fire. We've been solid Christians for years. We're good. But then there's the next generation that's over here that's struggling to get going. But the truth is, sometimes all we need to do is to provide a little bit of a spark so that the next generation can get their flame going. As a church, what can we do to pass to the next generation? As a church, what can we do to cheer on the next generation? As I was preparing for this message, I decided to Google the, the most Googled questions by the next generation. And what I found was mind-blowing. Three most Googled questions from the next generation is where do I belong? What is truth? And does my life matter? Where do I belong? What is truth? And does my life matter? I look at this and I think, wow, what an opportunity. 
I look at this and think, wow, this is amazing. Because I look at this and I think to myself, oh my goodness, Jesus is the answer to all these three questions. Jesus is the answer. Where do I belong? You belong with Jesus. You belong in a relationship with Jesus. What is truth? Well, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The answer is Jesus. And the third thing is, does my life matter? Yes, it does. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and died on a cross so that we could live and, not, and be freed from sin. You see, Jesus is the answer for all these three questions. Jesus is the answer. Jesus has always been the answer. And Jesus will never stop being in the answer. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If we want to know the answer for the next generation, it's Jesus. Jesus is the answer for the next generation. And so as a church, we need to do all that we can so that they have a relationship with Jesus. We need the next generation to get passionate about Jesus. I invite up the worship team. We need the next generation to get passionate about Jesus. But the only way to the next generation will get passionate about Jesus is that if it starts from us, if it starts from the church. Man, on kids' camp, the kids were getting so passionate in worship. They were getting into it and God was moving powerfully. But do you know where it started from? It started from the leaders getting passionate about Jesus. It started on Monday in that prayer meeting that they had before camp started because they wanted to get passionate about Jesus. If you want your kids, if you want the next generation to be passionate about Jesus, then it starts with you at home. It starts with you getting passionate because the truth is, young people are a product product of their environment. Young people are a product of their environment. And if at home we are passionate about Jesus, if at home we're reading our Bible, if at home we're getting into the Word, if at home we are having spiritual conversations, if at home we are praying often as a family, then I'll tell you what, it's going to rub off onto the next generation and the next generation is going to be passionate about Jesus. It starts with us. It starts with us. I want to finish up, and um, there's a couple of things I want to pray for for you all this morning. And if you want to get passionate about the next generation loving Jesus, if you want to get passionate, then I want you to, to just raise your hand and be a part of this, and I want to pray for you. Because it's not... The kids' pastor's job, although their role is important, it's not just Pastor Harold's job to pastor the next generation. It's a whole church responsibility. It's not just the parents' job. It's the whole church's job. 
And this morning, if you're here and you're like, Pastor Todd, I want to get passionate about the next generation. I want to champion on the next generation. I want to help parents win at home. I want to be able to pastor the next generation. Then with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, I'd love you just to raise your hand right where you are. Awesome. Awesome. Lord Jesus, I just pray for every single person that wants to get passionate about the next generation, God. I pray you stir up within them, Lord God, a flame, Lord God, a fire that they can then pass on to the next generation. And then the generation after that, and the generation after that, and the generation after that, Lord God. Lord, I pray that your name will be lifted high for generations and generations to come, Lord God. Lord God, I pray that we will be able to establish our faith, Lord God, and establish our faith, our home, so that we can then pass that on to our kids. And so, God, I thank you for this generation. I thank you for the next generation, God. May they be more passionate about you than ever before, Lord God. May they be able to see more people saved than ever before, Lord God. May they be able to just do amazing things for you, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. There's one more group that I want to pray for. And if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus into your life, I want to let you know that today is one of the best days that you can do that. Because like I said, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and died on a cross so that you and I can be free from sin. He came and died so that you and I don't have to do life on our own. And if you're here this morning and saying, Pastor Todd, I want to accept the love of Jesus. Then I want to give every single person an opportunity here to respond to Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning, you'll say, Pastor Todd, please include me in this prayer. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to be able to pass on the love of Jesus to the next generation. If that's you in this place, I'd love just to raise your hand right where you are. No one looking around. Just giving everyone some privacy. If that's you, why don't you just raise your hand? Awesome. Anyone else? Come on, why don't we pray this prayer together? Copy after me. Say, Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. Nice and loud. Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross so that I could be free. I'm sorry for all the wrong things that I've done. Please come into my heart and make me new. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a big clap. Hey, thank you so much for having me this morning. Thank you for allowing me to speak uh, at the camp this week. And uh, man, I'm being blown away by what God has done this week. And uh, I pray that what's happened in the kids' lives this week 
that they'll never forget it and that they'll continue in their faith for the rest of their life and that their kids and their kids' kids and the kids' kids after that will know Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus. Amen. Sorry, I'll use this one. Thanks so much, Todd, for coming. I think that's been just an amazing, um, you know, message, I think. You know, we have so many kids here, kids leaders, parents. We're all, um, you know, on that journey of stewarding the next generation. And I think, you know, what what you've showed us is both, you know, a very sobering picture of, you know, the generation that we are in right now. But we know that with God, um, anything's possible, right? And so... um, Thanks so much for coming down. Thanks for you know spending time with our with our kids. Um, and uh, let's just um, why don't we just stand? We're going to close the service. We're just um, uh, all the kids up as well, and we're just going to pray for Todd um, and and his ministry. Lord, we just want to thank you for this um, great servant of yours, Lord. That um, as he avails his time. Uh, his um, his commitment to your word, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would go before him and increase his tent, Father God. Increase, Lord, his sphere, Lord. And um, I just ask for your incredible anointing um, to be on Todd as he as he continues to minister, Lord, to this next generation. Lord, a double portion, Lord, of your anointing on him. That as he sows, Lord, the um, the fruit and the reaping will be abundant, Lord. That we will see droves of the next generation not only give their lives to you, Lord, but they would be committed. They would be uh, sold out for you, Lord. And as you increase um, and take this passion of his, Lord, that you would continue to increase it. Be the five loaves and two fish, Lord, that you would take that little piece, Lord, and that you would multiply it. And I just pray, Lord, that as he goes, you would bless him, you would bless his family, and everyone he comes into contact with his ministry, Lord. And so we want to thank you and commit him to you. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, Amen.